0: Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today in my tiny studio apartment in San Francisco, and I'm joined by Jamie Evans. Hi, Jamie. Hello. (laughs) Thanks so much for traveling from the beautiful North Bay today to be on the show. For any first time listeners out there, our purpose here is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. I invite them into my home, cook a meal, and then we eat together and chat about their careers and how they got where they are today. Today we're devouring a chicken apple brie sandwich. And um, so just to jump right into it, Jamie is a high school English teacher at a public school here in the Bay Area. Jamie, can you share a little about the work you're currently doing and your career history up until this point?
1: Yeah, so I didn't start off thinking that I wanted to be a teacher, and partly that was because I I was raised by a single mother for the most part. I mean, I have a dad, but, I, you know, I lived with just my mom, and when we were living together, she finished her BA, got her teaching credential, and went through her first few years of being a teacher while she was also taking care of me, and I was about, like, eight, nine, ten around the time. And I just saw how much she worked all the time. And while I really liked school, and I actually thought school was really fun, I was just like, mm, "No, nope, I'm not going to do all that work. There's other things out there. So I spent a lot of my life saying, I'm never going to be a teacher. And here we are. <laughs> I'm in my um, fifth year of teaching now. And I absolutely love it. I mm-hmm. wouldn't want to be doing anything else. But I did do other things before that. So I actually started off right out of college. I started off writing. Of course, I worked like part-time like retail jobs and stuff like that too Mm -hmm. um to actually make money but I was pursuing a writing career and it's actually funny because it wasn't really something like I didn't really know what to do when I graduated from college what did you what did you get your degree in um I had a BA in liberal studies okay and a minor in English literature okay yeah and I got my minor actually mostly when I was studying abroad in Swansea Nice. Um, Where is that for people who don't know? it's (laughs) it's okay. Most Americans probably don't. It's in Wales, which is part of the United Kingdom. Lovely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so I started off writing. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because it was really based on like encouragement from my dad. He was an editor of a magazine and he really just kind of encouraged me to pursue that. And I did because, you know, I like writing and I felt like I was a good writer, but um, it turned out to just kind of not be my life's passion. Like Mm -hmm. the stay at home by yourself pretty much all day and write was not really, did not really mesh with my social and emotional needs. Sure. (laughs) And also I just didn't have that like reporter's edge. Mm. I wasn't like that hungry for that story, got to track people down and like kind of push them to tell me something they didn't want to tell me, I'm like, oh, okay, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. Uh, which is not really what makes for a good reporter, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that writing, which also involved, like, um, podcasting and interviewing, too. Mm-hmm. The company that I was working for, which I, I loved that company, but they kind of didn't really make it past the 2008 economic crash. Okay. So at that point, after that, I just kind of spent a little bit of time... Um, Trying to start my crafting business, mm-hmm. which I know we have a lot of yes. co- in common about. And then eventually just kind of coming to the decision to try substitute teaching, and eventually mm-hmm. I enrolled in a um, teaching credential program.
0: So when was the moment that you felt you broke into your role or chosen field?
1: I actually have kind of two different moments. One of them is mm-hmm. kind
0: of scary, and the
1: other is really positive okay um, the first one and I had this experience with the other my other friends who were in the teaching credential program but so we spend the first semester of our teaching credential program observing classes and you know doing a lot of like research and academic work mm-hmm. and stuff. and then the second semester we take over two different classes. and <laughs> keep in mind that me and my friends were all very diligent students I and very dedicated and we were like ready and we were taking this so seriously and we were like super excited every single one of us after our first day, of, you know, taking over our classes, we came home and cried and had a nervous breakdown. Oh my God. Because it was just, and it was just like a, it was just a shock kind of thing, just a mm-hmm. culture shock kind of thing that quickly went away. But basically it was just like, I can't believe that this, like I've been in this classroom for, you know, several months now, but suddenly I'm in charge and I can't believe that this is what this is. And oh my God, I'm terrible and everything's going to be <laughs> horrible forever.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so that was definitely an imposter <laughs> syndrome moment. Uh, but it was very, very short-lived. It was, like, that one day. It was mm-hmm. just acclimating. Um, and I think the kind of positive, like, oh, I'm really doing this. Like, I feel like I'm a teacher, was, happened mostly probably in my second year of teaching. Mm-hmm. When you walk in and you're like, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I've yeah. had a whole year of practice and now I know what I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just remember, be like, opening up binders and documents and being like, I, I, I made this last year, and now I can improve upon it and teach it again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. And just for my own curiosity, yeah. too... Like, I think you you appear to be, like, more extroverted and stuff, but I know that not all teachers are extroverted. So do you think that it's something that, just, like, speaking in front of a group of people, the more mm-hmm. you do it, like, the easier it becomes, like, the less adrenaline you, or, like, stress you feel? Is that yeah. kind of something you've experienced? You know, it's funny, because I'm actually, I feel like I'm a really hardcore introvert. Okay.
1: <laughs> which is, um, I was actually thinking about that the uh. other day, because I'm listening to this audio book called Quiet, which mm-hmm. is about introverts. In our world, which is really designed for to praise extroverts, and I was like, "How am I a teacher if I'm such a hardcore introvert?" Mm-hmm. But I think it's just—it's a different. I think it depends on who you're talking to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, first, I get much more nervous talking to a group of parents
0: okay. than I do
1: to a group of students. Okay. But also, I was also in drama club in high school, and I, I have a long-running history with theater uh-huh. and performance. So. Being yeah. it, like speaking in front of a crowd has never really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. Good for you. <laughs> That's great. I actually make my students do it too. They yeah. Hate it, but no, they love it's
0: it. It's good practice. <laughs> so, did you have a mentor, uh, you know, when you were? getting your credential or deciding to become a teacher or even now and then are you you know now that you're five years into your your job are you a mentor to others i definitely have had lots
1: of mentors along the way when i was in the teaching credential program i had few teachers for the same classes so i'd have the same teachers multiple times so they really got to know me i'm thinking of two in particular um Kate and Shadi, so they were definitely very encouraging mentors, and you really need that encouragement when you're going through that student teaching year, but I would also say, so just to back up a little bit, I'm really lucky because I've, I work now at the same school that I did my student teaching at, Mm -hmm. so I've worked with the same colleagues for six years now, Um, and Of course, I I mean, I think of them as my friends. They are my friends. Mm -hmm. But they're also, they began as my mentors. Mm -hmm. And I still, you know, really value their professional insights and wisdom. So definitely, like, my department head and my mentor teacher and really every single teacher in the English department Mm -hmm. I think of as a mentor. Um, I don't know if I'm a mentor to others.
0: Right, yeah. (laughs) I guess you'd have to ask other people. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And then also, because your mom was a teacher too, but yeah. your mom is a, is she an elementary school teacher? Yeah, she's retired now, but she oh, was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So I'm sure like she, you guys can like swap or not swap because she's retired, but like share ideas and things too. Yeah.
1: No, it's really cool. She, and also my stepdad was an education also, so they, I can just talk to them in a way that you can People who haven't been in education, you just wouldn't be able to talk to them that way.
0: Mm-hmm. They, secret
1: language. Yeah, we have a secret language, uh-huh. and <laughs> no, uh-huh. um, but they have like common experiences yeah. that we can all draw upon. That makes sense.
0: Cool. So, what was, in your opinion, your biggest career obstacle so far slash shittiest moment?
1: Okay, so, <laughs> so I was talking about that time between you know. 2008, and basically probably about 2011 is when I decided to go back, to go into teaching. Mm -hmm. And I started doing that in 2012. And in that time, I mean, I loved working on my craft business. That was a great Mm -hmm. part of my life. But I also um, had to supplement my income with a retail job, Mm -hmm. which started off good. Mm -hmm. And then got to be very, very bad, and okay. very negative. And it actually really contributed to some mental health problems. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. which I wasn't even really fully aware of it happening at the time. But I think that basically, probably the six months leading up to my decision to just break out of there and leave, even though I didn't have a plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did have the benefit of, like, actually being married to someone who was working so at least we knew we could like pay our minimum bills yeah but I just like I was just like I I just have to leave and those six months leading up to that were just like a general shittiest moment yeah but especially like the response I got from the people I worked with when I was leaving Mm mm-hmm But it all worked out in the long run because I was going into teaching high school teenagers and they don't always think favorably of you either. So I learned how
0: to deal with that Uh kind of social rejection. Yeah understandable but it's interesting too to hear that like you know for that entire six months was your shittiest moment because Mm -hmm. I feel like in life a lot of times like it's those moments when we're really really uncomfortable or unhappy that kind of help us like that's kind of like a like a uh, like a growing pain maybe and it helps push you in like some direction that you're supposed to go in absolutely like I'm
1: now that I'm far enough away from it I can really see the purpose of it in my life and that Mm -hmm. was just I realized that I needed to be doing something that I thought was meaningful, mm-hmm. and for me, working in a retail store was yeah. not meaningful. Yeah, <laughs> so that Fair really enough. did contribute to that mm-hmm. for sure.
0: So on the opposite end, what was your biggest opportunity so far slash best moment?
1: Oh gosh, there's been a lot of
0: great moments.
1: Um, one of the great uh, one, one great moment was when a co teacher asked me me specifically to co-teach a new media class with him. Mm. Like he so he like approached me out of all the other people in the school. Mm-hmm. And so that was really flattering. That was awesome. But other than that, it's really more when you're teaching, it's not usually a big grand moment. Mm-hmm. It's lots of like little small moments that maybe actually now that I'm thinking of it are kind of hard to describe without like Disclosing things about students sure. <laughs> that I shouldn't disclose. Yeah, that's um, okay. But really, I guess that's the, what I would say is that a lot of those small great moments come from just like from the students.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably like you're seeing the results of all of your hard work. Like if someone is picking up on like a concept that was really complicated, and yeah. you're like, Oh my god, I did my job. <laughs> like, yeah, or yeah. I was
1: effective.
0: So yeah, no, totally. It's those mm-hmm. kinds of things yeah. for sure. That's great. Um, do you ever get so, this is not an official question, but do yeah. you ever, like, get so proud of your students that you just, like, cry? Because I feel like that would happen to me if I was a teacher.
1: <laughs> um, I can't remember it actually happened, okay. but I, I do
0: feel, like, it feels within the realm of
1: possibility. Sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because I'm sure you get, like, really attached over the year, and yeah. especially since you're in a high school, so you probably still see those kids around Yeah, um, as they, like, grow older. So, like, what, what... Um, grade do you teach? Do you just Mm -hmm. teach one grade?
1: No, I've taught um, all the grades. Okay. This year I have
0: 10th, 11th, and 12th. Oh, okay. So you could potentially have students that you had last year.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. There's been times, um, there's a couple of students... That I had, starting with my first year of teaching, and then I had them for three years from their sophomore to senior year.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's awesome if you like them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's...
1: A, and you know what's funny, though? I did actually uh-huh. absolutely like all of those students. Okay. But, honestly, if you get to the point where you're, like, it's your... They're walking into your classroom for your senior year, and we're, like, all right, well, we're doing this again. We You mm-hmm. just kind of You both get to the point where you're kind of, like, yeah, we're doing this again. We just, you know... Mm -hmm. we just gotta like let go of any because i can't i can't fight for another year understandable
0: are you enjoying the podcast whether you're listening to the show on itunes soundcloud or google play we'd love it if you'd leave us a review and or a rating this helps other listeners find our show in the abyss that is the internet we greatly appreciate it and thanks so much for tuning in this show, Mm -hmm. I also like to highlight what I call hidden talents. Mm -hmm. So things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or are necessarily work-related. So I know that you are really into traveling and Mm you found a way to incorporate that into your job. So can you talk about that? Yeah. So this is
1: my fourth year doing this, but um, I take students on international trips during the summer. So they're usually about 10 days long the first year we went to London just did kind of a general cultural with a theater focus London kind of thing Mm -hmm. then the second time we went to a human rights leadership conference
0: whoa yeah
1: oh my gosh that trip was just like out of this world and we went to London Amsterdam and The Hague
0: then last year we went to Japan and this year we're going to Greece Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So, so you're doing this like independent of the school you work at. Yeah. So how do you go about like, do you do fundraising for this or do the students pay out of pocket or how does that work?
1: We do a small coffee and tea fundraiser, but it really, I mean, they have to you know, get a job or get their parents to pay for it or something like that. Right.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Because, I mean, even for me to go to Europe, it's very expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely something you got to put some focus into. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. great. Okay. Very cool. So, I think we're going to next jump into the listener questions, which we have quite a few. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to start with the questions that we have from other teachers. The first one is both a question and a statement, so okay. <laughs> you can respond however you see fit, but the first question is, how do you keep up with grading without doing an insane amount of unpaid labor? Part of me wants to just work my exact paid hours so that districts start understanding that there's too much work for the teacher to do, especially for the amount we get paid.
1: Yeah, I definitely hear that. Mm-hmm. Actually, our school earlier this year, our district earlier this year, was considering doing just that through our union, was only working our contracted hours, wow. because our negotiation processes were not going very well. Okay. Um, thankfully, it didn't get to that point. And you know what the funny thing about those conversations was, is that a lot of the pe- my friends that I was just casually talking to, we were like like, like we are almost dreading the idea that we would have to just work our contracted hours mm. because we are like, we can't, how are we going to be good teachers mm. and work the hours that we're paid for? And we're like, mm. also, how stupid does that sound? Yeah. But, like, <laughs> we have to, we absolutely have to work outside of our contracted mm. hours to be, feel like we're doing a good job. Yeah. So, to uh, address the question part of it, I don't know how to... Just working on my contracted hours. Mm -hmm. I think that I can figure out how to maybe address the insane amount of hours part. Mm -hmm. I've figured out some ways to kind of minimize it. Mm -hmm. But...
0: Yeah, because I, yeah. I imagine, so I don't know, like, how that works. I imagine your contracted hours are probably, like, a, like a 9 to 5 or 8 to 5 or whatever. No. no. Oh, they're not. Okay. No,
1: they're, like, 7.45 to 3. So they're basically, mm-hmm. I mean, roughly depending on the school hours. Okay. It's basically 15 minutes before school and after school. And then you have a oh prep in the middle of the day. Okay. So, yeah, there's basically the hours that you're contracted are the hours that you're actually in the classroom with the students.
0: Wow. So you're expected to do all of your grading during breaks, I guess? Like when the students are walking to their next class?
1: I guess so. (laughs) Honestly, I don't really know the logic behind that other than just it's the time you're with the students. Wow. And we do have a prep every day. Okay. It's uh, depending on the school. Mine's, you know, an hour and a half but Mm -hmm. and which is great and I love having that prep but it's not enough time to plan good lessons for my three Mm -hmm. different classes Mm -hmm. and grade 150 students work
0: especially in English too yeah that's a lot 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 of of reading reading. yeah (laughs) so and I know you like to read but yeah (laughs) um, that's crazy yes
1: I prefer to read professional works
0: not student (laughs) works (laughs) Sorry to any students (laughs) who are listening to this.
1: It's more enjoyable, Um, but you
0: know. Oh my goodness. And then um, kind of on the same topic of, you know, like pay and stuff. Mm -hmm. As a teacher, do you supplement your income? And if so, how? Um, I don't, actually. I know that other teachers do. I'm lucky in
1: the, that I work in a really good district. Okay. It's still, again, we do work on contracted hours, but, and I can't even really afford to live in the county that I work in. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot better off than teachers in other parts of the state or the country. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. So this is a, a question from a sixth grade science teacher. Okay. And she asks, do you teach controversial social issues in your class? And if so, how do you choose which ones to teach? I do.
1: Not like every single day or okay. you know. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Uh-huh. I think I choose them kind of based on what I think the students would be most interested in talking about.
0: Okay. Okay. And I imagine they're probably also related to things you're reading. Like, Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. That Yeah, uh, yeah of course. Well. <laughs> like, um, when we read
1: The Handmaid's Tale, there's lots of controversial current mm-hmm. event issues to tie in with that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if sometimes I like to throw in just a small unit between books, like maybe just like two or three okay. days, and we might do some sort of controversial
0: issue there. Mm-hmm. So. We should also recognize that you're a teacher in the Bay Area, and mm-hmm. this is a pretty... Progressive place in general. I think, I'm sure there are like really conservative pockets, especially like in the North Bay. But I mean, I think like your students are probably pretty open to that. You probably aren't getting a lot of complaints from parents if you're talking about like, I don't know, abortion or other stuff.
1: I don't recall ever getting a complaint Mm -hmm. from a parent about a
0: controversial issue. Okay, that's Um, great.
1: There is some diversity in thought, not a lot, don't get me wrong. I mean we're we're a little blue bubble. Right. But there is some diversity in thought. I think actually the most controversial thing that I could do that I haven't done because I'm not really quite sure how to approach it, would (laughs) I haven't even really talked about this. (laughs) Okay. To find I think the most controversial thing I could do at my school would be to talk about how to understand, for example, the people who voted for trump mm, not how really? to judge them or approve of them or anything like that but like to just understand what their reasons were i think that mm-hmm. that would be probably the most controversial thing i can do sure and i haven't figured out how to
0: do that yet. <laughs> yeah yeah that would be really interesting so the next question we have is how do you stay motivated and engaged? So you've been a teacher for five years, so you're still kind of new mm-hmm. and hopefully not burnt out yet. No, not but. burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing about this is I'm not burnt out. I love teaching.
1: and the But it is important to remember that there are like peaks and valleys throughout the year. And this is something we actually talk about as teachers and they write about like, you know, it's okay. It's this time of year. Everybody's feeling a little like low right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of go through like these pro- periods of feeling really inspired and like, yes, what I'm doing makes sense. And then periods where you're like, uh, I'm just disillusioned. And everything, like this doesn't matter. What am yeah. I doing? And I think just understanding that that's just part of the process, mm-hmm. part of the year, mm-hmm. um, is really helpful. Yeah, But, yeah, no, I really, I just love it. And, you know, the thing is, is that if you get bored or unmotivated, just think of something new to do in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And that'll make it engaging again.
0: Yeah, do you, um, because I'm not sure how public schools work, but... I remember hearing something about like the Common Core or mm-hmm. whatever and like are there specific things that you have to teach because I, mm-hmm. I imagine like if you could teach whatever you want, that would be really fun. Mm-hmm. but there's probably some standards that you have to live by.
1: Yeah, yeah, there okay. are standards. Honestly, I'm not really too familiar with the standards in classes that aren't English. Okay. But the ones in English, they're really, like, common sense things that you would teach. It's not like, make sure that they know this vocabulary word. Mm -hmm. It's like, make sure that they can write about a nonfiction piece. Make sure they can detect Mm -hmm. bias. So, again, I don't know about other subjects, but any common core scare around English curriculum is, I don't understand it.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's see. The next question we have, there's so many, but they're all very good. Um, <laughs> good job listeners. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So how do you connect or try to engage kids that aren't taking academics seriously? It, oh, cause there's, you know, there's such a wide range that they of reasons that they might not take
1: academics right. seriously. Mhm. For some of them, it's be, they want to, but they can't because they go home and work in a restaurant until midnight to help their families. Right. And then they wake up the next morning and, like, try to get to school somehow. hmm And then there's other kids who are just like, no, it's cool, I'll just go home and play Fortnite. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's, um, I, th- so I think what it comes down to is just understanding why they're not taking mm-hmm. it seriously. Yeah. And then respond based on that reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Another thing related to that, mm-hmm. that I might edit out if it, <laughs> it's not <laughs> like, super crucial, but there's this really wonderful PBS documentary called mm-hmm. Bad Kids. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've seen it, but Bad Kids is a really great documentary about this this school in 29 Palms, which is in the desert in Southern California, mm-hmm. like 30 minutes from where I grew up. But it's a continuation school, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's all this stigma about, like, bad kids. They just don't care about school. Mm-hmm. But then they really, like, hone in, and they interview these kids individually, and you find out that they have really shitty home lives, or, yeah. you know, they their their parents are, like out of work and so like you were saying they have jobs and or they're dealing with parents with mental health issues or they have mental health issues and there's like all of these variables or things that contribute to them not being great in school they're not necessarily they're not bad kids yeah it's just they're they're the products of their circumstance totally on some level yeah and that exactly yeah so that's yeah that's but at the same time so it's interesting because i feel like your job you are an educator, but you're also like sometimes a little bit of a social worker too, because no, you have totally. to keep an eye out on those things. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And, yeah. So, when you were getting your credential, do they address that yeah. kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, we definitely talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just something you develop. Like, this is actually honestly about teaching in general. Mm-hmm. You learn it in teaching credential school, and then you spend the
0: rest of your life continuing to address it and yeah. get better at and it. And just learning uh, in real life. Yeah. The next one is, do you always want to be a teacher or do you want to eventually move into different areas like maybe a department chair? In the school that I work at, a department chair is a teacher.
1: Okay. Um, but <laughs> but I cool. think what the, um, the, re- the listener might have been meaning was like administration. Mm-hmm. I really do not want to go into administration.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I love teaching. The mm-hmm. thing about administration is that you, you're not in the classroom anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're not with the student's. And that's the really fun part of it. Yeah. If I did at some point decide I didn't want to be in the classroom as much anymore, um, it's possible that I would maybe go into curriculum design. But again, that I have no immediate or even long-term plans to do that. Yeah. I love being in the classroom. I do, like, I could imagine myself going into research, though. Okay. Also. But again, that's like, I would rather do that while I'm still teaching.
0: Right. Yeah. All right. And then, so, I guess while we're on the topic of, like, teaching, engaging, how Mm. do you get modern students, you know, with technology, all this stuff happening, Mm. to engage with and appreciate classic literature? Um, yes, that's a good question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) The thing is, is it's
1: really mostly the language of the text that gets in their way. Mm -hmm. Because if we're talking about classic literature, it's probably a little bit old, at least, if not very old, yeah. So they have to get through that. I don't understand what in the world they're saying here. Mm-hmm. And if you can somehow get them past that, and they can see what the character is going through, it's very likely that they will identify with what the character is going through. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, obviously not with every book because I mean, even as you know, adults we don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, Merceau, you kind of suck, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really about. Getting them to get through the unfamiliar style of writing mm-hmm. and into the story part of it, which they can totally relate mm-hmm. to.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of classic literature that lends to, I mean, some of it is like, I remember it being like really arduous, like something like Tess of the D'Urbervilles. Mm. That was a little tricky, but yeah. then we would read something like, um, The Crucible. Yeah. Or, um, I don't know if that would be considered classic literature or yeah. like Pride and Prejudice, which I love. I still yeah. love that book. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And you can just kind of like identify with the characters. Yeah. Some way. Also, like you were saying, some classic authors are easier to read than others. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like the language that they're using. And
1: it'll even vary from student to student mm-hmm. too. They'll, f- some of them will find certain styles easier than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Makes sense. The next question is, so when you, so you know, you started your career writing, do you still write even though, you know, it sounds like you're really busy teaching?
1: Yeah, well, um, I do still enjoy writing, and I feel like I would like to do it more often. I actually just started a teacher blog. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to be writing about teaching. Okay. Um, Yeah, because, you know, that's funny, because when you're a teacher you have to really think about your online presence Mm -hmm. in a way that maybe not every profession does. Yeah. Or at least not in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, so for a long time I would not really write things and then post them on other blogs I had because I was like, I wasn't really sure what I wanted
0: to put out there as a teacher, Mm -hmm. but now I feel like I got the line down. So Mm yeah. Yeah. The last listener question which is just a a, a kind of a repeat question that we like to ask everyone Mm. is if you weren't working as a teacher and I know you've said many times that you love being a teacher but Mm. what other types of work would you pursue or be interested in could be anything
1: um I think it would be really cool to work at like a museum or a library Mm. especially with like the education outreach program which I guess is still kind of teaching (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Or um, research. Okay. I'd like to write books. Nice. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I'd like to kind of end the episode with, you know, what are you looking forward to this week? And it doesn't have to be school or work related.
1: I'm graduating next weekend. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So I okay. kind of, actually it was funny cause I was studying in the thing. I'm like, I don't know. What am I looking forward to? I'm uh-huh. like, Oh yeah. Um, so okay. yeah, I got my master's degree. I'm signing off on my thesis on Thursday Whoa. and then on Saturday it's graduation time.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Congratulations. That's Thank cool. You. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So is there anything that, you know, on this show we usually, we sometimes have like Business, like business owners or mm-hmm. you know people promoting like things is there anything that you want to plug it could be about your job it could just be something that you're into um yeah well
1: I guess I'll go ahead and plug my new blog that I'm trying to start <laughs> <laughs> um it's at jamieevans.com and jamie is spelled like Jaime, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so j-a-i-m-e got it <laughs> very cool All right, well, Jamie, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was so excited when you invited me. (laughs) Yeah, this was great. To learn more about Jamie and other topics we've covered on this episode, head over to our website, BrilliantBabesPodcast.com, where you can listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Today's recipe was my chicken apple brie sandwich. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay tuned for episodes every other Tuesday. Take care, everyone.